Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jehoshaphat, and I'm so excited for you to be tuning into this week's podcast. It was Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and it's super awesome. Pastor Michael speaks about uh, Mary Magdalene in John 20, this one phrase that she says, I have seen the Lord. Throughout this entire sermon, you're going to hear uh, Mary's perspective of seeing the resurrected king as well as testimonies throughout our entire service. It was super awesome. I hope you enjoy it. We love you so much. Stay tuned. So I want to talk to you about the power of a witness. Um, we are going to hear uh, the witnesses of Jesus in this room. I'm going to give you an exercise here in just a second. But before I do that, um, I, want to, I, want to, I, want to, I want to talk about the power of a witness. Um, if, if you're a witness to something, uh, you're a window into an event. You're a window into uh, a significant event. I recently sat with a guy by the name of Dr. Dennis Lindsay. He's the president of CFNI. How many CFNIers we got? He's the president of CFNI, and we sat down, and he had predetermined that he was going to tell us a story, and it was a story that happened uh, November 22nd of 1963. Now, how many of you were alive November 22nd of 1963? Raise your hand. Not a lot of you, but do you know what happened on November 22nd, 1963 in this city? Uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated, and he began to share with us the events of that day from his perspective. Uh, him and a buddy, he was in, I think in his early 20s, maybe a teenager, late teens. I know he could drive, but they went to Love Field to see the president who was flying from Fort Worth to Love Field. Uh, they saw the motorcade and um, he described the motorcade, described uh, what John F. Kennedy looked like. He was heading to the downtown parade. Um, then their goal was to go from Love Field after seeing him uh, to downtown to be a part of the parade, but on the way over, they heard that the president was shot and he was heading to a hospital. No one knew you know, the, the extent of his wounds. And so uh, Dr. Lindsay decided that they were gonna go to the closest hospital and he went to Parkland. And when he showed up at Parkland, somehow he ended up inside of Parkland and a nurse came running out and looked at Dr. Lindsay and said, the president needs blood. Would you be willing to give blood? It's just fascinating. This day from his perspective. And so he's, you know, an early teen. Of course, I'll give blood to the president. And before um, that could happen, they learned the fate of John F. Kennedy. And in Parkland Hospital, uh, Dr. Dennis Lindsay learned that JFK had died. And so uh, he went from Parkland Hospital to his home in Oak Cliff, which is just south of town. I promise this is the story he told me. He said as he was coming uh, to, uh, I think it was Main Street, 12th Street there in Bishop, there was a line of cop cars on his street or in his neighborhood. And police had a man in handcuffs leading him to the car. And it was Lee Harvey Oswald, lived literally a block or two away from Dr. Dennis Lindsay. So he saw the president at Love Field. He was at Parkland Hospital and then saw Lee Harvey Oswald. This story took about two hours for him to tell, as you can imagine. Um, but I'm hanging on to every word that he's saying. And you can tell that he's told this story many, many, many times. Uh, he was a witness to a significant event. One of the most, if not the most significant events that happened in our nation. I was trying to think of like a significant event that I'd seen in my life, and all I could come up with is my uh, last week, my senior year, before we graduated from college, we wanted to get the campus uh, police back for all the parking tickets they had written us. 
You know what I mean? It was like a second tuition for all the fines and fees that we had gotten. And so my roommate had a beautiful idea, at least it seemed like that at the time, he was gonna steal the campus cop car. And I was a witness. He stole the campus cop car. Uh, Two days before we walked, we swore to secrecy. We've never shared the story until this moment. (laughs) But I think statute of limitations have passed, but he did... He did steal a golf car. There's a lot to that story. Um, sporting event, August 4th, 1993. That may mean nothing to you, but if you're a Ranger fan, August 4th, 1993, I was in the outfield of the old Texas Stadium. My best friend turned 16. He wanted to go to the Ranger game. He drove us out there just getting his new license. We're in the outfield. Nolan Ryan throws a pitch that hits Robin Ventura in the shoulder. Robin Ventura charges Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan puts Ventura in a headlock and starts pounding him. It's like the greatest moment of Texas Ranger history. You know what I'm talking about. And we had our shirts off in the outfield swinging them. And we started the chant, Nolan, Nolan, Nolan. It was me and my four buddies. I'll never forget the day. We were witnesses, windows into an event that we can now testify to. Uh, I think everyone in this room, if you're you know, in your late 20s and beyond, remembers 9-11. You remember the moment where you saw or heard about what took place uh, in New York City. Um, we were witnesses, and our witness creates a window for others to see into an event and we are living proof that that happened. We, we are uh, those that testify to the evidence that we've seen, we've felt, we've smelled, we've tasted, we've touched that. And I wanna tell you that if you're a born again believer in Jesus Christ, the Bible describes us, defines us as witnesses of his resurrection. It was the message that the early church had. Listen to this. Um, Acts 1, chapter 8, Jesus would tell his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit empowers our witness. The early church had one message. This was, if you could sum up the first sermon ever preached, it was Peter in Acts chapter two, verse 32. This was the thesis of his message. This is what he said. This Jesus, the one you've heard of, this Jesus, God has raised up, and we are all witnesses of that. Can you put that scripture up, bro? Acts 2, 32, look at this. My boy, Art, it's up there in faith. You can see it. <laughs> Acts 2, 32. The other one is, uh, thank you, this Jesus, this Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Uh, another verse, it's the second sermon preached in the New Testament is Acts 3.15. And Acts 3.15 says this, but uh, you put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are all Witnesses. The Greek word for witness is martus. Everyone say martus. It reminds you of another word. Martus is where we get the word martyr. So these disciples of Jesus, not only did they preach the message that Jesus was alive, but they were so convinced of it that 10 out of 11 would die for their testimony. They would give their life 
for the sake that they knew that he was alive. There's something about witnesses. There's something about seeing something and knowing something from a personal first-hand experience. And I believe the Lord is reintroducing himself to those who have believed in Jesus, but they haven't had a first-hand experience that he's alive. Jesus isn't just a belief structure. He's not just a religious system. Jesus died so that you could personally testify in your own life. It's not just about you telling others. It's about you knowing yourself firsthand that there is a God who came to earth, who died my death. And he sends his spirit, the spirit that raised him from the dead. It brings life to me today. And you can't help but share with others what he's done inside of you. Paul would say it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. This was Paul's Easter sermon, and it shares and shows the importance of the resurrection. It says this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. So that according to Scripture is important because his death was prophesied from prophets literally hundreds, thousands of years earlier. They prophesied that he would die. But in verse four, they also prophesied that he would be raised and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. What's that last verse? According to the scriptures. Then he began to appear to people. Look at verse five. He appeared to Cephas, Peter. Then he appeared to the 12. Then he appeared uh, to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Verse seven, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared to me, Paul also. For I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me, whether it was I or they, so we preach uh, and so you believe. Look at verse 12. This is the resurrection. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. For you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And if we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But... Verse 20, now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, 
so also in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own order, Christ the first fruits. After that, those who are in Christ at his coming. And then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. Salvation is available through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the one who died, the one who is buried, the one who is now risen, resurrected, is coming back to earth according to scriptures. <laughs> if he's alive, he's somewhere right now. Matthew 28 tells the testimony of his resurrection. It was Mary who first saw him. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 1 says it this way. Uh, now after the Sabbath. Now this is really important after the Sabbath. I love this detail. Uh, in, Jewish, in, in Jewish tradition, um, both then and today, the Sabbath is Saturday. Uh, it begins at Friday night and goes till Saturday evening, and Sabbath is rest. They're very religious about it. They do nothing on Sabbath. Like, if you go to Jerusalem um, today, uh, you can't even push a button in the elevator if you are Orthodox Jews. So the elevators, when you get in them, so that you're not hitting a button, because that would be considered work, stop on every floor. They literally take a rest. They do nothing. And so this would have happened Jesus' death, probably uh, he died at the beginning of Sabbath. Sabbath begins 30 minutes prior to sundown on Friday. Uh, they took the body of Jesus, put it in a grave. Everyone is resting on Saturday. After Sabbath, chapter 28, verse 1, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary and the other Mary came to the grave. Don't miss what these two women were doing. They loved Jesus. It was the first moment after Sabbath that they could actually see the body of Jesus. They wanted to tend to it. They brought spices. They were longing to be with him even though he was dead. Significant. So they came to the grave, verse two, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came, rolled away the stone and sat upon it. <laughs> his appearance was like lightning, his clothes white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Come on, come on. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And behold, I have told you. Verse 8. 
They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. These two women were coming out of love to see their beloved whom had been crucified two days earlier. To their dismay, a supernatural event occurs. The earth begins to shake. The stone is rolled away and there is an angel dangling his feet on top of a stone ready to communicate a message to them. Angels are messengers. They give the report. What's the report? He is not here. He is risen. So from there, listen to this. Angels being faithful to do what he was sent to do. He rolls away the stone. He's sitting on the stone. He tells them the report. Mary and Mary are listening in verse eight. It says they left the tomb quickly with two emotions, fear and joy. (laughs) Fear and joy. And they ran to report. They ran to testify To his disciples, what are they going to testify? They're going to testify, the stones rolled away, there's an angel dangling his feet, sitting on top of it, there was an earthquake, and the grave is empty. It was sufficient for them to report to the disciples what they had seen and what they knew. But verse 9 is so important. And and this 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 is a vital part. It's a vital part. To you being a witness of the resurrection. It's what happens in verse 9. Because it didn't have to happen. The women knew all that they needed to know in order to go and testify to what they needed to testify. But verse 9 says this. And behold, Jesus met them. He didn't have to meet them. They knew all that they needed to know. They could have checked the box and said, I can go to Easter service now because I believe that the grave is empty. But Jesus didn't die just for a belief system. Jesus didn't die just so that we could come to church. Jesus died so that we could be in relationship, so that we could meet him. Jesus didn't have to do this. But Jesus, I just think Jesus was so zealous to show these two women who loved him. I'm alive. I'm alive. I think of the verse as a verse. There's a verse in the book of James that says, if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Here are these women. I didn't have alarm clocks. I don't know why they got up so early. I can't help but think it's out of longing that they're creeping through the middle of the night, just waiting for that sun to come up so that they can look at the body of their beloved to anoint him with spices and they realize he's not there. And I love in my Bible, this verse, verse nine, I love this. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. Now, in my my text, in Matthew 28, I have a little footnote where it says, and greeted them. There's a footnote, you know what a footnote is? Just a little number one next to the and. And so if I'm looking at this, and behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, if I go over to the little number one, it, it, it interprets for me what else it could mean. And this is what it says. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. The footnote is, he said hello. So in essence, this could read, and behold, Jesus met them and said hello. Hello. 
it's me. Do you want to break out Adele? I will. Hello from the other side. Just kidding. <laughs> so, just kidding. <laughs> oh, they're about to turn my mic off. Get him out. It's Easter. Uh, he said hello. The, the one whom they knew wasn't there, the one whom the angel had said he's risen just as he said it was, Listen, the, the, the belief in him, it's awesome. But this, this, this is a firsthand encounter with the one that is resurrected. Uh, John's account of this, John 20, uh, 16. John 20, 16 says that Jesus said to her, Mary. So we can put... The, the two accounts together that he said hello, but he also said Mary's name, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, don't cling to me for I've not yet ascended to the father, but I go to my brethren, go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my father and your father and my God and your God. And listen to this, verse 18. This is such a beautiful, beautiful verse. This is the first proclamation of the gospel in the scriptures. Because Mary shows up to the 11 who were in an upper room, scared, fearful. They did not know what Mary knew. And Mary could have reported a lot to them. She could have said, man, supernatural occurrence, earth shook, roll stoned away, angel dangling his feet, gave us a report. She didn't say any of those things. She said five words. She said five words. And when these five words come out of a heart, when these five words come out of a heart that's had an encounter like she's had, that life is never the same. She said these five words, I have seen the Lord. I've witnessed him. I've witnessed him. My witness is a window that he's alive because I have seen the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never actually seen Jesus in the flesh present himself to me and say, Hello, Michael. <laughs> but I do know this. I've been raised in the church my entire life. I cannot prove this, but I'm almost certain I was born on a church pew. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anytime the church doors were open, my dad had a mantra, the Millers are going to be in that building. I grew up in the church. I grew up honoring scriptures. I grew up wearing suit, tie every Sunday, not only on Easter, but every weekend in between. And yet, May of 1997, I was taking macroeconomics for the third time, <laughs> Maymester, a buddy of mine, gave me uh, his apartment. It had no bed, no couch. It was an empty apartment, but it was a free place to stay. And for the first time in my life, I was alone. And I remember one evening, all of a sudden, this hollow, empty void got exposed. And there was this deep pain that I had just insulated through life, through vices, through all kinds of things. And I did not see anyone walk into the room, but someone walked into the room. 
And I did not audibly hear a voice, but someone spoke. And they said hello to me that evening. And I heard my name and I knew who was speaking to me. And something, something shifted in my life. I had heard of this one. I had even believed in him. But for the first time, I was encountering him. And I knew what he was asking for. He was asking for my life. He was asking for everything. And I had been here before because I'd been to church camp and I'd had the goosebumps and I'd prayed the prayers, but nothing changed. And with fear, I knew that if I said yes, it would cost me everything. But the invitation was irresistible. It was irresistible. And I remember getting on my knees and saying, Jesus, I need you. I don't know how to follow you. But this is what I said, honest honesty. I said, Lord, I will give you tomorrow. (laughs) That was my only promise. Couldn't promise the next day after that, but I'll give you tomorrow. And one day turned into two, two turned into three, three turned into four. Eventually I had a week under my belt. A week turned into two weeks. Two weeks turned into a month. A month turned into a summer. And I had some history with the Lord, I came back and several of my friends had had similar encounters. We watched him move in our friend group in really unique ways. But those that knew me prior to May of 1997, to those that saw me after that, knew that something had happened to my life. I had seen the Lord. My life is not the same. And I'm still living the same way. Lord, I am so dependent upon you. All I have to give you is still tomorrow. (laughs) I'm a mess without him. I didn't plan on being a pastor. I didn't plan on doing what I'm doing, but just this simple obedience of surrender to him. I'm telling you that I've discovered a life that I could not have discovered outside of him. And I believe that invitation is for all. Uh, One of the things we do every Easter is we testify to ways that we've seen the Lord. I'm gonna ask you to do it with me. Uh, We have about 25 minutes left. And for the next 25 minutes, we're gonna testify to ways that we collectively have seen the Lord. If you get your phones out, uh, there's a script behind me. And it's out of the message that I just framed. But I wanna collectively testify to this. I have seen the Lord. It is true that he no longer is in the grave, but has risen from the dead. He said hello to me in my. And then fill in when you personally met the Lord. It could be this year, could be years ago. We're gonna testify to ways that he said hello to us And then ways that we've seen him restore, ways that we've seen him um, bring forth evidence of his resurrection in our lives. Uh, We're gonna have two, uh, next to the two poles will be two gatekeepers, then we'll have people uh, with microphones. I'm gonna ask Oscar if you'd come get on the keys, my man. Thank you, bro. Last night we did this for 20 to 30 minutes and through the testimony of Jesus, uh, people were provoked and we watched several people give their lives to Jesus last night. Here's the thing about testimonies is testimonies 
um, they're, they create an atmosphere of faith. If he did it for one, can't he do it for another? If he did it in me, can't he do it in you? And I think what we do is we hear our story in other people. And so listen for your story in theirs and might the Lord author faith in your heart for what he did in their life, he can do in yours. Amen. And so here's how it's gonna go. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to start. And at the end of a testimony, we're all gonna say these three words. Thank you, Jesus. Let's say them together. Thank you, Jesus. So I have seen the Lord. It is true that he is no longer in the grave, but has risen from the dead. He said hello to me, Michael Miller, in my depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsiveness. And I have seen him restore my mind, thoughts, emotions to live free from guilt, shame, condemnation that plagued me most of my adult life. He is forever kind and willing to always and forever save me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm gonna ask uh, some of our volunteers and staff.